calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover. And you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Singularity by Bill DeSmet. Copyright 2004 by William H. DeSmet. All rights reserved. Chapter 15 Patterns. Your pardon, comrade director. An intercom window popped open on the wall sized display. Merkulov's squint eyed, broad featured face filled its frame. You asked to be informed the moment Giladze arrived back on board. The high-pitched, tremulous voice didn't seem to go with the thick lips and pendulous jowls that produced it, as though Rusalka's security chief were a badly dubbed character in a foreign movie. Arkady Grishin looked up at the interruption, pushed back from his console. Thank you, Vadim Vasilievich. Please send him to see me immediately. Very good, comrade director. You may expect him at the headquarters suite in five minutes. No, not the headquarters. The hour is late. I will see him here, in the residence. A look of surprise flashed across Merkulov's fat face as the window closed. The security chief himself had never been invited to Grishin's private quarters. Few ever were. Russians by nature abhor an information vacuum, and GEI's staff and crew were no exception. At any given time, there were half a dozen rumors circulating as to what sybaritic splendors lay behind the case-hardened steel portal at Rusalka's heart. None even came close to the truth. Grishin's eyes roved around the blank, off-white walls and spartan furnishings of his quasi-monastic cell. A replica complete to the smallest detail of his old office out in the woods, as KGB Foreign Intelligence's suburban headquarters had been known. As such, it offered a welcome refuge when the wretched excess reigning elsewhere throughout Rusalka began to cloy, and more than a refuge, a place to remember one's beginnings. And one's ends. His gaze came to rest on the room's sole decorative touch, an outsized portrait of former chairman of the State Security Committee, the late General Secretary of the Communist Party of the Soviet Union, Yuri Vladimirovich Andropov. A small brass plaque set into its frame identified the painting as having been presented to one Mstislav Platonovich Gromov, Major KGB, 
for meritorious service and exemplary commitment to duty. The artist had captured the deep-set, watchful eyes well enough that they seemed to demand such service, such commitment still. Ah, Yuri Vladimirovich, we shall redeem the faith you reposed in us, as you shall redeem ours. The heavy steel door slid back to admit the other Yuri, Geladze. Rusalka's master computer had tracked his movements by the RF locator badge he wore, just as it tracked the movements of everyone else aboard the vessel. Almost everyone else. It was the two exceptions that had occasioned this late-night meeting. Welcome back, Yuri. I trust you had a pleasant flight? The Georgian just stood there, not deigning to respond, unless that non-committal grunt counted as a response. Grishin ignored the impropriety. Yes, well, it seems we have a small problem here. Unexpected American guests. Sasha took it upon himself to invite two friends to accompany us to Europe. A keystroke brought up names and images on the wall-sized screen. Here, too, Yuri withheld comment, though he studied the faces on the wall with predatory intensity. Foolish, of course. Grecian shook his head. Especially now that we are so close to our goal. I was going to have them put ashore again when I saw they had already encountered Galina Mikhailovna. Ah, Yuri said, as if much had just become clear. Your orders? For the moment, only to watch. Much as he may deserve it, it would not do to upset Sasha Anduli while his efforts remain essential to success. And, in any case, final disposition of this matter is better left until after Mr. Knox and Miss Peterson have disembarked in London. There can be no point in calling unnecessary attention to ourselves. Only watch for now, Grishin repeated. After all, where can they go? What can they do that we will not learn of? here on Rusalka. Rusalka steamed on through the night, past the towering Chesapeake Light, fourteen miles east of the mouth of the bay. Knox watched its strobes, the last signal fires of land, disappearing astern. He leaned over the rail and peered down into the darkness, breathed deeply, filling his nostrils with a sharp tang of brine. The vessel's bow cleaved the dark water cleanly, churning out patches of sizzling, starlit froth that merged into her phosphorescent wake. The gentle rise and fall was mesmerizing, an ocean-going version of highway hypnosis. Come, drift along with me, the midnight sea murmured. Just drift along and leave trouble far behind. John, a voice came from behind him. Trouble was back. He turned to see Mariana framed in the pantographic doorway, or almost see her. I'm not sleepy yet, she said. I think I'll take a turn around the deck before packing it in. There was something subtly wrong about the way the light was playing around her backlit form. 
He rubbed his eyes and looked again as she walked up to him. Don't worry. Your eyes aren't going on you. This outfit is made out of a high-refraction nanoblock synthetic. It's hard to keep in focus. She wriggled mock coquettishly to illustrate, leaving moiré after-images on his retinas. Why, in some lights, I'm practically invisible. How come we're whispering? Force of habit. I already swept our staterooms and put the bugs to sleep. And the Catwoman get-up? Goes with the midnight prowl thing. Want some company? Sorry, no. She looked down and adjusted something on a belt studded with matte black tool holsters. Even two would be a crowd. In that case, how about a road map? Come again? Do you have any idea where you're going or what you're looking for? She shrugged. Whatever they've got Galena working on, wherever that is. In some sort of secret lab, right? Call it that. As to finding it, I was planning on running a standard reconnaissance sweep. Why? You've got a better idea? You hired a consultant. The least you can do is let him consult. She half smiled. Be my guest. Consult away. Step into my office. Knox took her arm and escorted her back down the corridor to his stateroom. You did say we're okay to talk in here. In response... Mariana knelt and pried out a section of the platform bed's toe-kick base. She pointed to a silvery disc, maybe half an inch in diameter, clipped to the bed frame. The walls have ears, she said. Japanese manufacture. Wireless. Self-contained. Fits anywhere, hears everything. Five in your room, one in mine. Mariana made a small move to show what she thought of being rated the secondary target. All of them convinced we've gone to bed for the night, like this. She grinned and flipped the disc over to show a small black chip epoxied to the back. A phase inverter. Takes any incoming sound, computes the inverse wave, and pumps it out 180 degrees out of phase. The net output vector is white noise. It's the same noise cancellation technology that the Navy's been installing for the deck crews on aircraft carriers. She replaced the panel. Can't just leave it at that, of course. Grecian wouldn't have gone to all this trouble if he didn't expect to hear something. So this base unit in here... She led him through the door connecting the two staterooms and into her bathroom, where she pointed out what looked like a compact water-pick recharger sitting atop the cosmetic shelf, broadcasts an overlay signal that the phase inverters will pass on to all those waiting microphones. What does it broadcast? Just something Crom countermeasures whipped up for the occasion. Typical night sounds, snoring and such, all synced to a built-in timer. I don't snore. No one ever does, Mariana said. Anyway, trust me, we're covered. Now, what's this about a roadmap? Process first, then product. Knox was determined to elevate his status in her eyes. Right now it seemed to be hovering somewhere between dinner companion and excess baggage. Whatever. Mariana shrugged. Okay. Start by describing our grand tour of Rusalka this morning. Well, Sasha basically showed us everything. Took us all over. Bridge to barnacles. It checked out against the schematics we got from Oskarshams. The Swedish Yard's vow of silence did not extend to Interpol. Krom's liaison had secured their cooperation, 
end their deck plans months ago. Yeah, Knox said. I'd been going back over them in my head shortly before you made your entrance and put an end to all rational thought. That earned him a brief smile. So, anyway, did anything stand out? That research facility, of course. It took up a healthy chunk of one whole deck. Right, the lab. Now, for the next part, we need some light. He sat on the edge of the bed and switched on the headboard lamp. And that pad and pencil. We'll do this scientifically. Here you go, Mr. Science. She fetched the items from the nightstand, then sat down alongside him. Okay, so describe the layout of the lab. Um, a big box, subdivided into four rooms. So, a bird's-eye view would give you a rectangle, with an H inscribed in it, divvying up the interior into two big rooms and two smaller ones. He scribbled on the pad as he spoke. More or less like so, right? She leaned over to see what he had sketched. An artist, too? Yep, that looks about right. Where's the problem? Well, for starters, why so big? It seemed like they had way too much room in there for the amount of work they had going on. Grecian's legendary largesse. She shrugged again. It made her petite breasts jiggle slightly beneath the jumpsuit, and cast a disconcerting aura of stray light beams into the surrounding air. Maybe it's to impress visiting VIPs like us. It works for that, and it's not like he can't afford it. But then why carve it up into four separate rooms? Knox was fighting the distraction of having her so near. His ability to stay focused when in the throes of a presentation was no less the stuff of legend than Arkady Grecian's munificence, but this was pushing it. If impact's what they're after, one continuous space would be lots more impressive. Why not lose the partitions? You mean the firewalls? She leaned against him as she studied the diagram. Inadvertently, maybe, but she stayed that way. But that's regulation laboratory construction, John. Or protective coloration. But let it go for a moment, and reconstruct what we did in there. We came in through a door here. She pointed halfway up the left side of the outer rectangle. That put us in this first wide room, with the big GEI crest on the wall and the mothballed seismographic lab, the one you labeled A. Keep going. Sasha took us around through this fire door down here, into the room you marked C at the bottom of the drawing. Mostly seawater chemistry and aquatic biotelemetry in there. Oh, and that big specimen tank the one with all the jellyfish. They used it instead of a wall to divide Lab C from Lab B, this other little lab room up here at the top. She tapped at the paper, leaning even closer. You could look through the aquarium from one room into the other. That was how we spotted Galena. Or how she spotted us. That's right. Galena saw you first and waved, then ran to join us. We all walked through into room D, your other big room, and met her halfway, right here. Her fingertip rested on the right side of the rectangle. And that gives us enough to hazard a guess at the location of your secret lab. How? Try this. Visualize the layout again. Now, didn't it strike you that the two fire doors seemed too far apart when you looked at them from outside, in the long room? 
I'm not sure I know. She shook her head. Her dark hair shimmered in the lamplight. I think maybe the middle section is divided into three rooms, not two. Here, look, this isn't to scale, but it'll give you the idea. Knox erased part of the diagram and redrew it, placing a room marked X between the short rooms B and C. That can't be right, Mariana said. We looked straight through the specimen tank from C into B. We saw Galena standing on the far side of the glass, in the middle of that other lab. If your room X was between us and her, how come we didn't notice it? She snickered. Or is it supposed to be full of jellyfish? Let me answer that question with a question. How can you spend half of every working day in Pete's office and not see what it is they've done here? Her dark eyes half-closed as she mulled it over. Then, oh, God, not a data wall. Close enough. That little highlight was playing about her upper lip again. Mariana was enchanting. Also very well armed. Knox set aside his fantasies and continued his exposition. A data wall sitting behind maybe three feet of real water and real jellyfish. He sketched that in. One half tank each in lab B and C? With what? Video cams hidden behind the display scrim and broadcasting a view of the other lab in real time? Not really. Pete's data wall is just a convenient analogy, a way to get the point across. No, I think what we've got here is a much older, simpler technology, a conjurer's chamber. Did you ever see that trick where a magician takes a box, shows it's empty by opening the front and the back so you can see his hand through it, then closes it and pulls out a rabbit? Sure. Standard smoke and mirrors. Right. Literally. There's a mirror set at an angle inside the box, with a rabbit hidden behind it. You only think you're looking through the box to the other side. Actually, the mirror is bending light around what the magician doesn't want you to see. He showed her the results of his sketching. Now, what we've got here is probably two big Fresnel mirrors, one on the back wall of each half-aquarium. Those mirrors angle the light down to two more in the space below the lab, and then back up and out. Anyone looking through those two half-aquariums is actually looking around room X in the middle. Any imperfections in the displays are hidden by tinted glass and lighted water. Smoke and mirrors, like you said. Mariana shook her head. I don't buy it. Why would Grecian go to all that trouble just to hide a room? It's his boat. He can do anything he likes, right out in the open. Except he's got visiting dignitaries parading through here all the time. That's the beauty part. Hide everything in plain sight. That way, if there's ever any trouble, you've got legions of blue-ribbon witnesses ready to swear you're pure as the driven snow. Knox thought a moment more, then added, And maybe they get off on it. Pulling the wool over people's eyes, I mean. If I had a billion or so to play with, it's the sort of thing I'd do. Maybe that's my problem with it, she said. The whole scenario sounds a lot more like you than Grishin. I co-authored the psych evaluation on Arkady Grigorievich, and believe me, that's one serious dude. Whereas you... Don't say it. Knox cut her off before she could bring up the Aristos incident again. I didn't mean Grishin himself. More than likely, Sasha put him up to it. Now, Sasha, I could definitely see running a scam like this. His favorite short story is Poe's purloined letter. 
the original hide-in-plain-sight scenario, she mused. Difficult as Mariana could be, it was nice working with a client who actually got most of his literary allusions for a change. So, is that what put you onto this? she said. One of the things. Anyhow, the theory's easy enough to test. All we have to do is figure out where the entrance to the hidden lab is and stake it out. Why wouldn't it be through one of these other four rooms? Mariana leaned across him to tap the paper. Her hair smelled faintly of lilacs. Well, Knox maneuvered his arm around to where it was just barely touching her thigh. There might be some sort of exit into the main lab, maybe concealed behind that big GEI crest in room A. I doubt they'd use it for anything but emergencies, though. Why not? She inched in a little closer. Knox was finding it increasingly hard to concentrate. Simple logistics. You wouldn't want people constantly trooping in and out of your secret room, messing up the illusion. No, if it were me, I'd run an entrance shaft down through the decks above it. But that would make a visible bulge in the walls of all the rooms it passed through. Bring it right down through the point where four rooms come together, and it shouldn't amount to more than the bump-out on each inside corner. Where it passes through the corporate suites, you could pretty much stick it wherever you want it. Not a whole lot of public access up there. Down here on main deck, you could, I don't know, maybe hide it in a closet? After all, the whole shaft only has to be wide enough for a single person climbing a ladder. Shafts again, Mariana said in a whisper. She was sitting close enough that he could feel her shudder. Somewhat louder, she asked. Any chance it passes through one of our cabins? That would simplify things. Just go in from the side. Sorry. No. They gave us outside staterooms. For the view, see? Knox pointed to the star-filled sky beyond the porthole. The shaft would have to be just about amidships. We'll have to leave home base to get to the entrance. And where's that? Let me think. Knox tried to visualize the design of Vasalka's decks. Somewhere on bridge deck, I'll bet. Probably the chart room. We could check the schematics on the laptop. But Mariana was already up off the bed, standing at the doorway. Actually, she said, I had something a little more proactive in mind. Come on, it'll give you a chance to brush up on your Russian. Mariana dialed her fool-the-eye leotard into high refractivity mode and eased herself up the rear companionway to bridge deck. She emerged into a service corridor so dimly lit she had to wait a moment for her eyes to adjust. The lookouts must value their night vision, the wheelhouse down at the far end of the passage looked even darker. She glided down to the doorway and peeked in. Sure enough, only a smudge of reddish illumination from an exit sign conspired with the phosphorescent glow of multiple status screens to hold back the night. If it weren't for the low murmur of voices, she'd have been hard put to tell that John was in position, running interference with the bridge crew as he brushed up on his Russian. Rusalka's bridge was fully computerized. Standard watch complement on the graveyard shift was only one junior officer and a seaman first class, and even they had very little to do between visual scans of the horizon every other minute or so. John's arrival bearing a thermos of hot tea from the galley must have seemed a godsend to the bored crewmen. Not to mention he was happy to help them while away the empty hours between midnight and dawn with the rambling conversation Russians loved. Mana from heaven. 
Mariana retreated back down the corridor to the doorway she'd bypassed a moment ago. This was it. The chart room, where, if John's guesses panned out, and guesses were all they were, really, she'd find the entrance to his secret lab, whose existence itself was just a guess. Why was she going along with this fishing expedition of John's rather than following standard reconnaissance procedure? For that matter, what had she been thinking of on the bed back there in his stateroom? Not that it hadn't been nice, being close enough to a man to feel the warmth of his body without getting groped. Okay, maybe a little groped. Come on, Mariana, focus. Well, as fishing expeditions went, this one wasn't going to take all that long. It wasn't really feasible to scour the chart room for hidden doors and secret passages anyway, not with crew on duty less than fifteen feet away. She'd just stake the place out with a spy-eye and leave it at that. Her spy-eye was a self-contained camcorder, no bigger than a largish cufflink. At that size, it had no bits to spare for processing or storing high-definition images. Instead, its motion sensor simply triggered whenever a human-sized shadow crossed its light-sensitive laminates and then dumped a time-stamped grayscale to non-volatile memory. It couldn't even televise these simple images to a receiver in the stateroom. Like most of the monitoring devices Mariana had brought with her, it was a passive, non-transmitting collector. Not only did it have to be manually installed, but it would have to be manually retrieved again before they could access its captured data. Very low tech, but it got the job done with no telltale signals for GEI's counterintelligence to detect. She paused in the chart room doorway, peering in. The visibility was marginally better in there, thanks to his single overhead lamp rheostatted down almost into the infrared. By its murky light, she could make out an antique-looking wooden chart table standing in the center of the room. The table's 21st-century equivalent, a flat-screen display plotting the vessel's course in real time via a GPS feed, took up half the rear wall. The forward wall was blank, save for a connecting passage to the wheelhouse. A curtain had been drawn across that doorway, night vision again, and through the heavy fabric she could hear muffled voices. She smiled. John, continuing his diversionary chit-chat with the bridge crew. Mariana scanned the chart room again. Not just eyes, instruments too, this time, looking for cover for the spy eye. It had to be tucked away out of sight, yet positioned where it could take in as much of the alcove as possible. It was in the course of this second sweep that she discovered someone had beaten her to the punch. All but invisible behind a ventilator duct screen, though obvious to her EM detector, a video cam was panning back and forth, covering the room from its vantage above the wheelhouse door. Grecian's CI boys were keeping tabs on something, that's for sure. Could it be that John's whole precarious pyramid of assumptions had somehow been correct? Thank God she hadn't just barged into the chart room. One more step, and she'd have been on candid camera. She slipped back out of the doorframe into the passageway. She needed to time out and rethink this. From its EM signature, Grecian's video cam was a broadcaster, rather than a wired device or a self-contained collector. Reaching down, Mariana withdrew a tunable video receiver from her tool belt. 
Most of these commercial surveillance units transmitted in a narrow frequency band. Nothing. They must have jiggered it. Try a harmonic. Easy now. There. On her receiver's postage-stamped display, there took shape an image of the chart room, as seen from the perspective of the ventilator duct. Wide-angle coverage, all right, but centered on the map table. That put the doorway she'd been standing in just off-camera. She couldn't have been spotted from where she stood, thank God. There were ways to befuddle video surveillance, but it didn't do to overuse them. She'd need such subterfuges when she actually entered the chart room, and she was no longer planning on doing that tonight, not when there was an easier way to get what she was after. Readings of signal strength and orientation from several angles told her she could pick up the video cam's transmissions from her stateroom. She'd only needed to know they were there. Thank you, Arkady Grigorievich. Rather than deploying her own spy eye, Mariana could piggyback off Grecian's. She locked in the frequency and restashed her receiver. She was just turning toward the stairwell when she heard a new voice join the bull session on the bridge. Its grating timber and curious accent hovered at the edge of recognition. She crept down to peer into the gloom of the wheelhouse again. One shadowy figure loomed over the rest. The mate and crewman had fallen silent, but John was still talking, still trying his best to engage all comers and buy her more time. The stranger offered no reply to what John was saying, just grinned. The ruddy light from the exit sign glinted off two steel canines, and with that, Mariana knew him. She felt her nostrils flaring, her lips skinning back to bare her teeth. It was the man who'd thrown her down the elevator shaft from the top of 17th State Street. As Knox entered the stateroom, Mariana looked up from her laptop. Are you okay? He was warmed by the look of concern on her face, though at a loss to explain it. She'd had the hard part. Sure. What's up? You know who that was up on the bridge just now? The big guy? Said he's a contractor from the Georgian Republic. You get a name? Yuri. He didn't give a last name. Even getting that much was like pulling teeth. Hardest man I've ever tried talking to. I can't say I'm looking forward to repeating the experience. Well, don't, she said. In fact, if you see him coming, run the other way. He's a contractor, all right, as in contract killer. You remember the guy I told you about, the one I tangled with back in New York? No shit, that's him? Knox's stomach churned. He'd been close enough to reach out and touch the man, or vice versa. You sure? Let's just say I've seen that winning smile before. The steel choppers? Used to be back in the old Soviet Union. They were a pretty common dental appliance. I didn't think porcelain was still in such short supply, though. Maybe with this Yuri guy, it's a fashion statement. She twitched the corners of her mouth in imitation of a smile. What was he doing up on the bridge? I got the impression he was looking for me. And you. Almost the only talking he did was to ask where you were. I told him I'd left you sleeping down in the stateroom, that I'd be down there myself if it wasn't for a migraine so bad it made me want to die. What did he say to that? Nothing. That was when he grinned.
Mariana turned back to her laptop and finished linking the video receiver to dump its purloined signals to non-volatile memory. No coding required. Crom's systems folks had installed half a gig of prefab software components on the little machine. All she had to do was cookbook the right mods together. With a final flourish, she set up a simple motion analysis routine to flag the frames where someone walked within range of Grecian's chartroom video cam. She leaned back in her chair and stretched. Now we wait, she said, stifling a yawn. If you're right about the chartroom hiding an entrance to the lab, you'll pick up shift change activity at least. If I'm right. Knox sat down on the edge of the bed just across from her, looking vaguely crestfallen. The surveillance camera didn't convince you? It's pretty circumstantial, she began, then relented. Okay, okay, I'll admit it looks like you're onto something. It's only... Only what? Only I'd feel better if I knew how you did it. This inspired guess thing, I mean. Was it something you saw? Something you heard? Why didn't I notice it? I was on the tour, too. It's not all that easy to explain. He seemed at a loss for words, for once. Things just didn't fit somehow. Things? What things? Sasha, for instance. He was trying too hard. Too much indirection. Knox's expression evoked the disdain of the professional prestidigitator for the feeble effects of the rank amateur. In particular, that whole business with Galena looked a little, mm, staged. That and the geometry of the fire doors being off, like I said. But that's like nothing. She stood and confronted him, hands on hips. You're saying you took a bunch of disconnected impressions and deduced the presence of a hidden room? It's what I do, another shrug. Not all the time, not reliably, but sometimes things just sort of, well, click for me. Knox's onboard pattern matcher, they call it at the office. Okay. Mariana sat down beside him on the bed, mulling it over. Whatever you did, it worked. But sometime you're going to have to tell me more about this pattern-matching business. Trade secret, Knox grinned. Incidentally, at times like this, it's customary to turn to the consultant and, in a voice a-tremble with awe, exclaim, Wow! You must be a trained analyst. Wow, she mimicked. You must be a trained analyst. Then, without knowing quite why, she leaned over and kissed him full on the mouth. Quickly as the impulse had come, it was gone. She pulled back from him. Her half-closed eyes flew wide open again to see John looking as startled as she felt. Then she was up off the bed and standing on the opposite side of the room. From there, arms folded, she said, So, what do we do next? He said nothing, just stared at her. It occurred to her then that her last question might be subject to misinterpretation. About your secret lab, I mean, she said, so as to leave no doubt. You've been listening to Singularity by Bill DeSmet.